I'd like to um, introduce another approach this morning with the practice. Last night I uh, spoke, I used the, the phrase ways of looking, which is another way of saying insight, ways of looking practices, which work with this aspect of experience that's, that's there, yeah, that there's always a way of looking that is affecting perception, that's affecting what we experience. And one way that we can practice insight is to play with the ways of looking that are there. So we can apply particular ways of looking. And hopefully this will be clearer as I introduce this. So we choose to look at experience through a, a particular lens. Yeah, something we, we can learn to do, we can do, um, and we can hone that skill, we can develop that skill. So this may feel like a, a slightly, uh, a variation or a slightly different um, approach to practice than what we've been doing so far. And um, to remember, really helpful to remember that our intention with practice is to practice in a way that's appropriate to our experience, yeah, or where we are at the moment. So when we introduce different approaches or different ways of practicing, it's not some kind of hierarchy that we're building. And today is day three, therefore it's level three. Therefore, you know, you should be doing this practice by now. And if you're not, then, you know, something's going on. Um, but rather, um, seeing it as, a, you know, these practices are, um, are there for us for our life. Yeah, so they may be useful at different times for different people. And so to really, uh, you know, this idea of hierarchy may come up. And if we can just, just kind of hold it lightly, see it coming up. It's another way of looking, yeah, the, the measuring of ourselves. And see it as that and see if we can then just slightly drop it and actually be interested in the appropriateness. You know, what is needed right now? What is helpful right now? So the way of looking I'd like to introduce today as a practice um, is around um, an aspect of experience which is called in Pali Vedana, V-E-D-A-N-A, and is very difficult to translate. It's usually translated as feeling tone, and I, I you know, I, I want to, I like to say the um, common translations so that you can refer to that context if you come across, if you've come across it already or if you come across it in the future. Um, but it's actually more helpful instead of trying to find a word for it to, to understand what this Vedana is. So Vedana is um, something that happens in our experience in an unconscious way. Yeah, usually before we are conscious of it. And it's kind of like a categorization 
of experience into pleasant, unpleasant, or not very strongly one or the other, so somewhere in between. And this happens very, very immediately. Yeah, Like I said, unconsciously. happens very immediately with any kind of uh, contact of the senses. And in Buddha Dharma, the mind is also a sense. Just to say that, it's helpful to remember that. So any kind of um, sight, sound, smell, taste, contact, or mental activity, thought, emotion will have this label or categorization on a very, very immediate level. This is pleasant, unpleasant, or somewhere in between. Yeah, not strongly one or the other. And a way that can be helpful to understand it it's, um, is using more simple language. So Nathan often uses this. He says, you know, it's this kind of thing that we do of nice, not nice. Yeah. So yeah, can I, I find that helpful. Nice, not nice. Yeah, somewhere in between. And... According to the teachings, and this is something we can explore in our experience, everything, everything that arises in experience has this categorization. Yeah, everything has this categorization. doesn't matter what it is. Why is this of interest if it's happening unconsciously most of the time? Why is it of interest? Several reasons. Uh, one is that it's part of the chain of reactivity that we're usually involved in. Yeah, it's a very reactive um, kind of process. And it's something that we don't question. Yeah, so there's a, a, a contact through one of the senses with our body or our mind. And there's that immediate categoriz categorization. And that leads to an escalation. It builds up. It doesn't stay at that level of, oh, this is, you know, the sound of a rook, <coughs> unpleasant or pleasant, depending on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't stay at that level. It usually, most of the time, escalates to some degree. It builds up. And the build-up is what's at the source of a lot of our unhappiness, a lot of our dukkha. Another Pali word, D-U-K-K-H-A, usually translated as suffering, but it actually is a whole spectrum of discomfort, ill-ease, not getting what we want, getting what we don't want, <laughs> yeah, that whole spectrum. And uh, maybe I'll say that my favorite translation is a, is a pretty recent one by Thich Nhat Hanh of Dukkha. He, he uh, translates it as ill-being, so the opposite of well-being. Ill-being, just, just that sense of, you know, something's not right, yeah, to some, to some degree. And that, you know, that whole spectrum from, like we were doing yesterday, just a very mild um, 
sense of discomfort in the body to the you know the greatest uh, pain that we can know as human beings. Yeah, that all falls into this category. So this process of escalation, I, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about it. So something happens in the environment. Yeah, let's just stick with a sound because I already used it. There's a sound. And there's that um, categorization of that sound as unpleasant. And then there's an escalation around that. And we're talking about, we've been mentioning contraction. Yeah, so layers of escalation around that unpleasant. The unpleasant becomes, um, I don't like this. The I don't like this becomes I don't want this. And the I don't want this becomes I absolutely cannot survive with this going on. Yeah, We all know this. Yeah. And thi- so this is the process of escalation. It's a build-up, a build-up. And sometimes the interesting thing about this is that because it, sometimes it's really happening in the background, we're not even aware that there's a sound that's actually creating this escalation. And yet, because we're in that space of, I don't want this, you know, we contract, we become small, the sense of self becomes more tight. It affects how we experience everything else. Yeah, and we, we all know these kind of experiences. You know, the, for me, the easiest example is um, not having slept well. Yeah. And then how that unpleasantness of that, which is just unpleasant, yeah, how that can color everything that happens in our day. Mm. I sometimes give this example I can't resist of, um, you know, waking, like being in that mind state, not having slept well, being in a bad kind of that escalation of that bad mind state. And then Nathan makes me a really nice cup of coffee. And it's like, oh, you know, who said I wanted coffee right now? You know. That's the, that's the response. That's a really nice thing to do, right? Colors the perception. Yeah, colors the perception. And it colors the experience. So this is, you know, this process of escalation is something um, really interesting, really valuable to be aware of. And the Vedana is, the reason we're interested in it is that it takes us to one of the roots of it. Yeah? So we can't change the we can't change the contact, yeah? we can't change the stimulus that affects us, but by bringing attention to the Vedana and staying with the Vedana, we can actually affect how that process of escalation unfolds, or at least be more conscious of it. Yeah? So it does two things. It works with the escalation and it brings consciousness to something that's unconscious most of the time. It's a really, really valuable and practice in that way. So if we use the, the language that we've been using so far, um, if, we don't, if we're not aware of a pleasant Vedana arising, that can lead to desire and attachment, yeah, the kind of getting sucked, pulled into something. And the unpleasant will lead to aversion. And the not quite one or the other will lead to where we are most of the time, which is bored, um, 
or zoning out, yeah, not enough happening to to kind of pull our attention. So kind of the, the whole, the immense um, percentage of our lives we're actually not available for life. We're not present with what's happening. So whatever is going on, whether it's pleasant and goes towards desire, unpleasant goes towards aversion, or not strong in one or the other and goes towards boredom, like I was saying last night, all of these have a degree of contraction to them. Yeah, either contraction somewhere in the body or, um, you know, I, I tend to see also that that contraction and narrowing down into a more a dense identity. Yeah, more dense sense of me and I and mine. Yeah, and all of that, and this is something, don't just believe me, this is something to explore in your experience. All of that relates directly to how much dukkha we experience, how much dissatisfaction, how much ill being we experience. They arise together. And another way of saying this, um, I used this word early on, I don't remember if it was two days ago or in the open night, fabrication. Remember that? Yeah, in Pali Sankara. Fabrication, the way things are brought together or made up of parts, made up of um, conditions. So Vedana is a crucial part, it's always part of the process of fabrication, of the way things are um, created in our experience. And so turning our attention towards Vedana is a way to uh, become more aware of this process of fabrication and to see it for ourselves, to, to know it for ourselves. And this is a really, um, fabrication is a really, is such an important part of the teaching. I just want to stay with it for a moment and um, go back to an example that I used last night from the pain research. Yeah, that's another example of fabrication. When research into pain showed that um, when we have a pain in the body, we contract around it. The body contracts around it. Okay. And that's... That is fabrication. Yeah, that's, that is fabrication. So there's the, the experience, there's the initial, uh, whatever it is in the body that's causing discomfort. It can be a tension. It can be some form of heat or coldness. And then around that, there's more and more layers of contraction. So the, the experience of pain is not just one separate thing. It's actually made up of layers. And then the mind gets involved as well. And the mind contracts around that experience also. Yeah, with the, with the aversion, with the, the, the desire for the pain to not be there. And that adds more, more layers. 
So the more we understand this process and we're able to, to see aspects of it, the more we can play with it. Yeah, and, and like I was saying when I mentioned it a few days ago, it's not that fabrication means we're making it up, we're creating it in our minds. It means that it's a complex process and our mind has a part in it yeah, that we can work with. Our mind has a part in it that we can work with. And just like people were sharing yesterday with the don't scratch the itch, it's not doesn't mean that, you know, we bring attention or we bring interest or we bring welcoming and then the result is always the same. Yeah, there's a variation there. But we can see the process of fabrication. Ah, it was like this and now it's like this. And what has changed? What has changed is my attitude and my uh, level of interest in that case. Does that make sense to people? Yeah. Yeah, so another um, example from pain research, I, I find these really, um, really helpful of fabrication and, and the involvement of the, of the mind in that process. Um, they did, a um, did some research, an experiment with uh, people who had undergone an operation, I don't remember what kind of operation, they were in recovery in the hospital. All the people in the research were, had gone through the same operation and they divided um, them into three groups. So one group, and all the groups were told um, they were receiving, they, they put them on a, cell, on a drip, and they were all told they were receiving painkillers through the drip. Now I'm, now I'm forgetting, so let me give me a moment to, to remember what, what it was exactly. No, so two groups were in a drip and one wasn't. Okay. So the first group was told that... Um, sorry, the, the two groups with a, with a drip were told they were receiving pain relief through that. Okay. The third group didn't get the drip and um, all the groups, all, all three groups were... Um, also also told that they could ask for additional pain relief if they needed it. Okay? So the first group, it was just a saline solution. So they were told they were receiving pain relief through the, through the drip, but it was just, um, you know, saline. It was just nothing. Yeah. Uh, the second group received uh, a very mild pain relief through that. And uh, the third group didn't receive anything. And then they measured, they looked at how much pain relief people were asking for. Yeah. And they could see that the group that was on a placebo, essentially, was asking for less pain relief than the other two groups. Yeah. So they thought they were receiving pain relief but actually they were not and that thought I'm receiving pain relief affected the perception of the pain yeah so they were asking for less extra pain relief after that so this is again fabrication doesn't mean that we make things up but the mind is involved in how we perceive things that we take to be neutral 
Okay. So we'll hopefully, I think, we'll be coming back to this. But it's yeah, if you could, if you're starting to get a sense of of this, then then that can be really really helpful. So with the, with the practice of Vedana, we're going directly to that initial unpleasant, pleasant, neither one or the other. Um, and we're staying with that as much as we can. And we're interested to see any kind of relief that can come from that process. So something can be unpleasant and we bring our attention to the unpleasant. And we can stay with that. And sometimes what we find is that the unpleasant doesn't need to become dukkha, doesn't need to become suffering. So there's a sense of relief. Like people were saying yesterday, the experience doesn't necessarily change. Yeah, I might still have an itch or an ache in the body, but there's something in the staying with that just moment by moment experience of just unpleasant that reduces the escalation and makes that unpleasantness much less of a problem. Yeah, reduces the problematic. It's also possible that the Vedana will change. It's not fixed. Yeah. So the Vedana, the unpleasant pleasant, is not in the object, like the example I gave of the cup of coffee. Yeah, it's not the cup of coffee that is pleasant or unpleasant. It's other conditions that are coming together in that moment and affecting the Vedana. So the Vedana is changeable. It's not in the object. Same object, different people will have a different Vedana. Same person, different Vedana at different times. So really looking for that relationship aspect, that um, the problematic is not in the object, it's in the relationship. That's what we're interested in. And the more we tune in to the inherent uh, meta-quality in the paying attention, yeah, the more helpful this will be. So sometimes people experience this practice as being quite dry. Yeah. But that meta-quality, the kindness, the loving awareness within the um, capacity that we have to pay attention, we tune into that as much as we can. And again, the Vedana may change with that. And we're interested in seeing that change if it happens. And so we can turn the attention to um, the inner life. Yeah, so all our inner life will have a Vedana. 
how we experience the world. And we can also turn the attention to um, the contact between the through the senses between the world and our mind. And everything will have a Vedana, all of it. So what's the goal of this practice? Just to, just to emphasize that, if in case it's not clear. Um, it's not about generating a more pleasant experience necessarily. It's to reduce the reactivity, reduce the escalation, and to um, like all the practices we're doing, to increase our understanding of of how our experience is shaped and um, made up of conditions. And maybe one last thing to say that I won't guide right now, but this is also possible. So we can bring attention to Vedana in the moment, yeah, and in that way um, prevent or lessen the process of escalation and reactivity that happens. Um, but we can also bring it in in the midst of escalation. So we're already caught up in something. Yeah, there's already something going on, that kind of internal storm going on. And then we can still check what's the Vedana of this experience. Yeah, it can be really helpful. It's like a get out of jail card when you're playing Monopoly. Yeah can be a way out of that tangle of reactivity. What's the Vedana? And how is the Vedana changing? And we can bring more detail, look, look with more into more, more the details of the experience and the Vedana of that. Discomfort in the body is great for that. Yeah. So the Vedana of this knee pain is unpleasant, but if I look in, with more detail at what makes up this pain. What's the Vedana? Yeah, what's the Vedana of the tightness? What's the Vedana of the warmth? What's the Vedana of the pulsing? And we can see that actually there can be a mix there, and it can change as we bring the attention. So let's have some time for practicing together. And so if you need to stretch any part of the body, then please do. And then when you're ready, settle into the, the posture for this time. And settling into your posture. And taking some time to feel into the posture, feel into the body, 
And as you do that, bringing the awareness into the body field, checking to feel if the body is supported, stable, whether any adjustments need to be made, can be made. If it's helpful, using the contact areas of the body with a seat and with the ground to help root the awareness in the body. And also checking in, balancing the uprightness of the back and the upper body with a sense of ease and openness. And then coming to the breath in whatever way feels helpful for you. So either using the wide, more stretched, open awareness of the body. Letting the breath flow through the body and feeling it flowing through the body field. And finding what is appropriate for you right now, whether it's a longer breath, deeper breath, or a sense of breathing, bringing the breath to particular areas of the body. Or perhaps a mixture of the two, just doing what has felt helpful so far and feels appropriate right now. And we'll just take a couple of minutes to establish that. Grounding in the body awareness in the breathing.
So we're continuing to use the body sense and the breath as our anchor, as our resting place for the awareness. Or if you've been primarily using metta, you can also use that. And we'll gently be bringing in the Vedana practice. So right now, just opening to see, to feel the sensations in the palms of your hands. Lightly dropping in the inquiry, checking in, what's the Vedana of the sensation in the palms? Pleasant, neutral, unpleasant. Not trying too hard to identify or analyze, just opening to see. And seeing if you can stay with those sensations and the Vedana, the sensations in the palms of the hands. What happens when you bring a gentle attention to the Vedana aspect of your experience? Is there any effect? If it feels like the attention is too rigid or too controlling, try to relax the intensity while still staying close to the experience, to the sensation and the Vedana of the sensation. Letting go of the of the sensations in the hands, we're just gonna check out the Vedana in a few parts of the body. Just noticing what's the Vedana of the face experience.
What's the Vedana in the belly? What's the Vedana in your left foot? In the throat. In the knees. <coughs> What's the Vedana of the breath? You can stay with uh, breathing now, or the metaphrases, whatever you're using, and just gently feel into the Vedana. You might want to look with more detail in breath. the out-breath, the beginning of the in-breath, the middle, the end. Is the Vedana fixed or changing? So for the rest of the practice, resting the awareness with the object of your meditation, the breath, the body, the metta, whatever it is that you've chosen to do. And staying interested in the Vedana of it can play with zooming in to more detail, different parts of the breath, or the bigger picture, the whole breath, seeing if there's any difference. If the mind moves away from the object of your meditation, you can notice the Vedana of that so-called distraction, whatever's pulled you away.
Notice the Vedana of bringing the attention back. Noticing the Vedana of the breath. If you're working with a more comfortable, a pleasant breath, notice the Vedana of that. And what happens? when you tune into the Vedana of any experience.
What is the Vedana of your experience right now? Just noticing. What is the Vedana of the bell? So if you found this interesting, then feel free to weave it into the practice through the day. The primary practices, it's useful if the primary practices are still what we call samatha practices, practices of gathering the mind. So either um, breath, body, or metta as the primary practices, what you're doing most of the time and then some of the time opening to the Vedana. One of the easiest ways of doing that is noticing the Vedana um, when you're distracted. So whenever the mind moves away, uh, just like we were doing at the end here, noticing the Vedana of um, the distraction itself, what is pulling you. You could also notice the Vedana of the distracted mind. (laughs) Yeah, what does that feel like? And then noticing the Vedana as you uh, bring the awareness back to the object of your meditation. And really noticing that. And that can be very insightful. Um, If the coming back is unpleasant, yeah, that's something to uh, then attend to. Can I bring the attention back in a way that actually feels pleasant? To some degree, yeah, something in that movement that we habitually, many of us, um, is done with some harshness or um, abruptness. Can I kind of adapt that so that there's a, a pleasantness to that, which would make it easier for the mind to come back actually over time, changing that relationship. And you can also play with um, bringing attention to the Vedana of just things that you encounter in the day. So it can be um, the Vedana of the bell, like we did now, you know, like saying, okay, every bell that I hear today, I'm going to check what's the Vedana of that. Whether it's the bell of the end of a sitting or the bell uh, for lunch or the bell calling us to come in the hall, whatever it is, when I hear the bell, can I just take a moment to feel the Vedana of that experience? One thing that you might find is that you have a tendency um, to notice certain Vedanas more than others. So for most of us, it's the unpleasant <laughs> is more more obvious. And you may have already noticed it in this meditation. 
Um, and if that's the case, that's fine. Yeah, it's important to know that. And then making a bit of a conscious, conscious intentionality to also notice the pleasant and the neutral. Yeah, and you can really do that with the body. So anywhere where there's not a strong um, pleasant or unpleasant, but I can actually relate to the sensations. So it's all a bit of playfulness. So primarily staying with breath, body, or metta practice, and then noticing the Vedana in the distractions, and then bringing attention to Vedana in kind of external things. Yeah, the bell, um, food when you eat it, that can be a great Vedana, you know, as you're standing in the food queue, the smell, yeah, what does that do? Um, when you walk outside, the Vedana of that change, yeah, the air hitting the skin. And then we're also interested in the impact. Yeah, so we're playing with the Vedana, we're interested to see uh, what happens when I bring attention to that. Does anything happen? Is there a loosening of contraction? Is there any sense of release or relief? And if uh, if there is, um, then stay with that for a bit. Like really let yourself feel that release and that relief. It's like um, like the pleasant breath. Yeah, it's about feeling that uh, whatever is wholesome, the well-being, so that we can find our way back there uh, more often. And also to balance the fascination the mind has with the with unpleasant, with the ill-being. So that's uh, the general practice instructions. And we can also very much bring it into the walking. Yeah, so um, in the walking practice, if you're interested, yeah, just paying attention to the Vedana of one step. Yeah, noticing the different Vedana of the movement, of the contact, of the um, lo- loosening of the contact as the foot comes up. Yeah, so just noticing the Vedana of that. Um, noticing the Vedana of um, the environment a little bit when you stop. Yeah, before you turn around and walk in the other direction, just feeling the Vedana of the sounds, the sights, the smells, if there are any, the contact. Yeah, so just bringing, weaving that in. With particular interest in seeing how that affects the sense of contraction or expansion or spaciousness. Yeah, different Vedana, different contact. How does that affect? the sense of uh, expansion or contraction. So if you have any questions, you're welcome to stay in the hall or if you'd like to um, have some insight from other people's questions, you're also welcome to stay in the hall and otherwise um, it's time for walking.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.